house of God today. It's the best place to be on a Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, welcome all of you also watching online. We uh, just ask you to receive from the Lord today. We're continuing our fourth Sunday in studying about women of the kingdom. Last week we looked at hope. And uh, how many of you remember what three things abide? Faith, hope, Love, the greatest of these is love, but it doesn't mean that faith and hope are not necessary. Uh, you need hope in life. Without hope, you really will find it hard to have faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that faith, uh, to define it, is the substance of the things that you are hoping for. So you have to have hope in order to have faith. But the Bible then says faith works by love. So you see how they're all three tied. And so um, we're going to look at each of those. We looked last week at hope. We're going to look this week at faith. And I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of, first of all, 1 Samuel chapter 1, and then we're going to go into 1 Kings. And uh, but before we do that, and you're turning there to 1 Samuel chapter 1, Pastor Tony Evans, who has a lot of this study that I am uh, gleaning from and, and sharing with you, he shared this following story. And some of you may remember that uh, Tony Evans was one of the main speakers a lot of times at men, you might remember this, at the Promise Keepers uh, events in the 90s. Well, he also travels uh, around and, and speaks in other locations, and he was saying that he was scheduled to speak at a crusade at the football stadium at the University of South Carolina. And the weather that day uh, was reported that there was going to be rain and that it would be a big storm. Now, to put it in perspective, there are more than 25,000 people that had already gathered in the stadium and were waiting for the crusade to begin, and the storm clouds just began to form behind them. So all the leaders and the organizers of this crusade wanted to pray that God would hold back the rain, and so they went downstairs into a small room, they gathered together, and they began to pray. And these mighty men of God, they began to pray things similar to, uh, Dear God, please hold back the rain. And... Uh, or, if it's your will, God, well, could you hold back the rain? Well, how many of you believe that God would like for a crusade to go forward? And uh, so we already know it's His will. And so they were praying all those kinds of prayers, yet in the midst of all of their prayers, there was this little, short, petite old lady, uh, and she stepped forward, and she said, Do you pastors mind if I pray? Well, what else could they say to this dear, this dear lady? She, they said, yes, please go ahead. So this little lady began to pray, and this was the prayer Pastor Tony Evans said that she prayed. And I quote, she said, Lord, your name is at stake. We told these people that if they would come out tonight, they would hear a word from God. We told them that they would hear from you. Now, if they come and it rains and you don't control the weather, 
then you'll look bad. Now, we told them that you wanted to say something to them, and if you do not keep back what you can control, which is the weather, Lord, then someone could say that your name is no good. This is her prayer. And then she threw in a line that caused every one of these preachers to look at one another out of the corner of their eyes. And she said, therefore, right now, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this rain to stop for the sake of your name. Amen. And with that, all of these preachers opened their eyes, eyebrows went up, and all they could say and think was, whoa. Did she really just pray that? Well, following those prayers, they all went up and sat on the platform, including this little lady. So I wish that I could tell you that the skies turned clear and the storm went away, but that didn't happen. How many of you know life is kind of like that? The storms are still there. Well, the storm didn't, didn't actually go away. What actually happened is the sky now became entirely black behind them. It actually got worse. And the guy who'd been assigned to communicate directly with the Weather Bureau said, Hey, guys, the rain, it's coming. And they're heavy. These are heavy thunderstorms, and they're coming right at us. Well, it is now 7 o'clock p.m. It's time for the crusade to begin. The music is now starting. It's time to start the crusade with massive thunder and lightning now going on all around them. And people began to stir in their seats in that stadium. Some were even starting to get out their umbrellas and open them up. But this little lady, they looked at her as she was on the stage, and she was right there with the rest of those leaders with umbrellas beginning to go up all over the audience. Several people on the stage were also opening up umbrellas. This woman of God sat there confident with a look of expectation covering her face, looking out straight ahead. And something happened that Tony Evans said that he has only seen once in his entire life, and it was there. He said the rain came rushing toward the stadium like a wall of water. He said, yet when it hit the stadium, it literally split in two. Half the rain went on this side of the stadium other half went on that side of the stadium. All the while, this little lady sitting there with a confident look on her face straight ahead, and the rest of them, the preachers and the leaders, just look at each other, and they're getting schooled on faith. And they look at the rain going around the stadium and not touching anyone in the stadium, and they looked at each other again. They looked at the little lady, and she just kept staring straight ahead. Now, this is not a story someone told Pastor Tony. He was there. In fact, his family, he said, was there with him. And not only that, 25,000 other people were there too. All of them were beholding this miracle that night right in front of their eyes. God, listen to me, spayed paid special, everybody look this way, paid special attention to this lady's prayer simply because she was intimately connected with and invested in God's name, concerned about his reputation, and she prayed a prayer of faith. And the Bible gives many examples of things like this. Now, I want to just share this with you. He also said because the, the rain moved around the stadium, 
There were unsaved people at that event, and that crowd was so protected, they could hear the gospel, and now they just had a miracle happen. And guess what the responses were like? They had just witnessed a weather phenomenon when kingdom women, listen to me, when you become passionate about what God is passionate about, positive change can occur in lives, in families, in communities, and I want to just say this, even entire nations. And we have proof of that in God's Word. The Bible gives examples of women. I'm going to give you two today. I could give you more. We could literally stay here all day And I could be sharing with you about women of the kingdom who operated in faith. And I just want to say this. Women, you have a unique capacity for faith. And it is one of the primary ways to advance God's kingdom. The first woman I want you to look at is in 1 Samuel. Her name is Hannah. And the Bible says that Hannah was barren. She couldn't have any children. Not only could Hannah not conceive, but she was also living in an unpleasant environment. Let's go ahead and take that scripture off real fast. We'll we'll look at it here in a minute. I'm going to lay the groundwork here. She lived in a culture, listen to this, where a woman's identity was linked to her ability to have children. You see it all through Scripture. In fact, it's interesting to me that God used women that were barren initially to bring forth Jesus into the world. Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Every one of them had to deal with the same thing. Every one of them had to be by faith. And listen, Abraham is called the father of faith. But Sarah had to have faith. Now, she faltered a little bit, but God got her still at the end. Amen? Rebecca faltered a little bit. All of them faltered just a little bit, but I just want you to say they they passed the test. And... Hannah was a woman who not only could she not bear a child, but people around her put her down because she could not bear. They put her down, and this went on year after year, and every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. And Hannah was reduced to tears. She had no appetite, the Bible says. And as a result, Hannah turns to God, crushed in soul, Hannah prays to God, she cries, and she cries inconsolably, but then she makes a vow, and I want you to see this in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 11. It says this, she made a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, let me break that down for you, O Lord of angel armies, the commander of the angels, if you will indeed look on the infliction of your maidservant And remember me. This is a bold prayer. And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord. Now, we've been talking about this word, Lord, 
This is personal God. This is Adonai. This is Jehovah. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Makedesh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rohi, on and on. Whatever you need him to be, that personal God to you, whatever you need him to be, that's the God he will be for you. If you need provision, he's Jehovah Jireh. If you need healing, he's Jehovah Rapha. If you need a shepherd, he's Jehovah Rohi. If you need a banner, he's Jehovah Nisi. You see, God, it wants to be not only power God, but relationship God. He wants a relationship with you today, church. He says, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and not only that, a razor shall never come on his head. In a situation... Hear this, that she could not fix. Anybody in one of those? Hannah asked God to reverse the way things had been all her life. Hannah approached her physical problem spiritually. Just like the little lady in South Carolina who understood that the storm had less to do with the clouds in the air and than it had to do with God's ability to hold back those clouds, Hannah sought her relief and assistance from the only one who could bring it. She sought out a spiritual solution to a physical need. Just like that little old lady last week, remember, a spirit caused her to be bent double. And Jesus dealt with a spirit. And when Hannah sought God as the solution to her problem, hear this, if you will seek God as the solution to your problem, church, can I just say something while I'm saying this? In America, we don't have an economic problem. You say, well, pastor, don't you see the prices? I do. We don't have an energy problem. We have a spiritual problem. I'm not telling you don't vote. I'm not telling you government's not important. I'm not telling you that. But what I am saying is there is a missing element. Our leaders are missing, and it is the spiritual element. And if you, if you walk away from the God of the universe and then expect him to bless you, you've got it all messed up. I mean, theology's messed up there because God will not just pour out if we say get out we got to say, God, we need you again. God, we believe in you. We, we, we need what you have. We've got a spiritual problem, Lord. And only a spiritual solution can fix the physical issues. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So in this situation that Hannah could not fix, Hannah asked God to reverse the way things had been. And then what happens is when Hannah sought God as a solution to her problem, she placed her faith in him. She put all her eggs in the basket. You've heard that phrase, don't put all your eggs in the same basket. That is what you have to do in the kingdom with God. You've got to put them all in the basket. You've got to put all your faith in him, not just a little bit in him. Now you say, well, pastor, I don't have that much faith. Just use what you have and it will grow. 
The scripture says this now. I want to show you the end to the solution because it not, not only did God give her what she asked for, I want to tell you this about God. I want to repeat it because he doesn't just always give you what you need. He gives you more than that. Think, think about the 5,000 people that needed to be fed on that day when Jesus had two, two fish and five loaves of bread. And the disciples like, but what is that with all these people? I mean, that's just... You know, Peter could probably eat all that himself. And Jesus said, have everybody sit down in groups of 50. Organized. And when it's all said and done, guess what? They have more that they end with than they began with. Twelve baskets left over, and I think that was on purpose so the Lord would show those disciples and have it indelibly burnt into their mind as to what God can do. There is always, God is not just enough. He's not a just enough God. He's a too much God. Lord, that's too much. The Bible says he will pour out of the windows of heaven until your barns are overflowing. And it's not so you can get fat in the gravy. It's so that your needs will be met so you can help other people in their, their needs. Amen? That's what God's doing. Now, I want you to notice here, in verses 19 and 20 of that same chapter, the Scripture says, Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Do we not have that verse? Verse 20 says, And it came about in due time, hear this, after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, because I have asked him of the Lord. She named him after God, El, Elohim, Samuel. She even put God's name in his name, and it literally means because I have asked him of the Lord. You see, the Lord remembered Hannah, and the Bible says her womb was opened. Hannah kept her word. After giving birth to Samuel, she gave him to the Lord for service in the temple. The son whom she had prayed for, for all of those years, she literally took him then and gave him back to God. And do you know today when we do baby dedications, that's the verse I always go to. What is interesting, though, is after Hannah gave to God the very thing that she wanted all along, her child, he in turn gave her five more children. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we discover that not only did Hannah give birth to Samuel, but she also went on to give birth to three more sons and two daughters. The Bible says the Lord, again, that same Yahweh, Adonai, personal God, visited Hannah she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And big brother, the boy Samuel, grew before the Lord. So not only did God respond to Hannah's faith by answering her prayer, but he also honored and went beyond that request and filled her home with five children. He honored her act of faith in giving Samuel back to him. That was a married lady. I've talked to you about the unmarried ladies. Now I'm going to talk to you about a widow. 
A woman who doesn't have a husband on earth. I've already said a little bit about that, that God is your husband. That's what he says. I am your husband. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you'll turn there, look at verses 8 through 16. Let's just read that out loud, or read that, I'll I'll read it out loud. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Version. It's a 1977 edition, so it might be a little different than that. The Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this is speaking of Elijah, the prophet, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and he said, he kind of doubled down, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Church, can I show you this woman doesn't even have any hope. She has no expectation for a future. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear. And I'm going to say that again out loud here to everybody. Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So, here it is. Here's the act of faith verse. She went and did, notice this, according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. He didn't just get one cake. He got several days' worth. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now, I remember reading this many years ago, thinking, Lord, I thought you told us to help the widows. Yet here's this preacher asking her for food. I mean, there's some people, they think that's what preachers do anyways. They just take an offering. They're just greedy for money. Kind of looks that way here. He just simply asked for water, but then he said, oh, by the way, I need, a, I need some uh, nourishment as well. Make me a, a bread cake. When we're supposed to be given to them. Are you hearing this? Now, what had happened is a famine had hit that land where she lived, and it made it difficult for her to survive. Not only that, it hadn't been raining. And the economy had crumbled. Sound a little bit like today? The country was experiencing far more than a recession. It was a depression affecting countless individuals. And God speaks to a prophet, the prophet Elijah. He says, go to a place called Zarephath. 
where a widow lived, God tells Elijah, I've commanded the widow to provide for her. Notice this. I want you to see that back in verse 9 again. Look at verse 9 again. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Notice this. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So she already knows about this. She already knows what's fixing to come because God's already talked to her. God's already commanded her to provide for Elijah. However, when Elijah met the woman at the gate of the city, he faces a little reluctance. She's not reluctant to get him water, but she does get reluctant at first to give him bread. At first, when he asked her for a cup of water, she's willing to give that to him, and she starts to go get it. Yet when he asks for some bread with his water, she's not so eager to do that. She said, as surely as your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a little jar of oil, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we can eat it and die. How many people are in this place today? Notice here that the widow didn't plan on eating again after that meal. She explained to Elijah, I can't give you anything because I don't have anything to give you. You can see here, she doesn't have much hope. See, the woman said she didn't have enough. Everybody say, she said she didn't have enough. Elijah knew physically she didn't have enough. He knew she was down to her last serving of grain, but Elijah told her if she would make him a cake first, then she could make some for herself and her son as well. There'd be enough for all of them. And then I want you to notice this. He says, for this is what the Lord, the Lord God says, the jar of flour will not go empty and that jar and jug of oil will not run dry until the day that same Lord relationship God gives rain to the land. This widow had no future. She had no savings. She had no provision. She had no hope. Yet in the face of uncertainty and famine, Elijah asked her to demonstrate faith. So what's the woman do? Exactly what Elijah told her that God said to do. And she obeyed. You see, something God's already talking to us as his people what we need to be doing. But sometimes there's a reluctance to it because it's going to cost us something. Church, I want want you to understand what it's going to cost her, everything she has. I remember Jesse Duplantis one time when the Lord was working with him on on giving, and he had $15,000. That's all he had. And the Lord said, I want you to give $15,000. And he says, but Lord, that's all I've got. And the Lord said back, that's all I'm asking for. You say, well, God wouldn't do that. He's done it time and time again. The man that wanted to follow Jesus was rich in the world, the rich young ruler, and he said, what do I lack? And Jesus said, the one thing you lack is sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Whoa, wait. Give up everything I have to come and follow? No, I can't do that. The man went away sad. You see, he wanted to do what looked good to him, but he would not do what Jesus said he had to do. Now, not everybody has to do that, but he had to do that. Not every widow had to give up their last food, but this widow had to. But not only did she give it up, she didn't lose it. And I want to repeat this. Whatever you sow in the kingdom of God, you never throw 
away. When you sow something, it's not thrown. A farmer knows this. If you will take and sow that seed, it's going to grow more. But you've got, to get, you've, you've got to get it out of your barn, into your drill, and into the ground. You've got to trust. You've got to trust God. You've got to sow in order to reap. And whatever you sow, that is what you reap. So if you sow nothing, you reap nothing. But she sowed everything she had. Whatever the case, I don't know, you know, I I wonder what she might have been thinking as she scooped up that last bit of flour and turned it into a bread cake. And most likely, it wasn't going to be, think about this, it wasn't even going to be a tasty bread cake. Because the Bible didn't say anything about salt and pepper or Tabasco sauce or chipotle sauce. Or even caraway seed. Most likely, I, I mean, I can't even imagine that, that any seasoning at that point, she definitely didn't have anything to go with it. And I'm not even sure the English word cake gives that right impression. I, I think it might have looked something more like a dough ball, you know, when it's all said and done. If it's just oil and flour, I mean, ladies, what is that? That's like a roux, you know. But whatever the case, she baked it, and this widow used what she had left to obey God. And she gave something to a complete stranger over feeding her very own son. And her maternal instincts must have been screaming at her, yet her faith overrides it. Our ladies, are you hearing what I'm saying today? If she was really going to be able to provide a future for her son, she was going to have to ignore the desire to feed him first, the last bit of food she had left. She was going to have to put all her eggs in the same basket. Where do those eggs belong? In the same basket when you're working with God. Now, not when you're, you know, in the stock market, but when you're with, in God's market, you put them all in the same basket. Because the Bible says that the bowl of flour that she scooped out of never went empty for the remainder of that famine. The jar of oil that she poured out of never was exhausted because she kept the word of the Lord spoken through Elijah. Now, I want to make a statement here today. I've said this before. If it seems odd, it's probably God. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? How can a man take a stick, push it out in front of a sea, and cause it to part? But he had to do that in order for that sea to part. One time as he's raising his hands, I'm talking about Moses, the army wins. When he puts him down because he's tired, the army begins to lose. And Aaron's finding out, hey, Keep his hands up. Moses, keep your hands up. Moses like, why? He said, because they're winning when you keep your hands up. So Moses, okay. He's like, man, I'm getting tired again. And he listens down. Now they're dying. They get him back up. And finally, they had to hold his hands up. Sometimes somebody may have to help you in your faith. And that's what we're all here about. That's what we're here for today, church. Listen, it didn't make sense. Say that out loud. It didn't make sense. In fact, it was downright ridiculous. It almost seemed opposite of what God wants us to do. Yet God had asked, and she obeyed in faith. She had the same kind of faith that little lady in South Carolina did. She had the same kind of faith Hannah did. She had a faith that would bring heaven 
down to earth, and it did. This is my take on this message. God knew about this particular woman's faith, and that is why he sent Elijah to her to dig it up. That famine had gone on for almost four years, and there were many widows at that time. Do you know that Zarephath in the land of Sidon wasn't even Jewish? This is a foreigner. What? She lived outside of Israel in the Phoenician city of Sidon. God didn't go to the church to find the woman he was going to use. He didn't go down and visit the nearest Bible study. Come on, church. And that's because sometimes the greatest faith is found in the most surprising places simply because faith depends upon relationship rather than religion. In fact, when God looked for someone to ultimately save the ministry of his prophet Elijah at the time of great trial and need, he didn't even go to a man. There certainly were many men at that time with access to some food. Yet at this crucial moment in Elijah's calling as a prophet, God intentionally singles out a woman of his kingdom to save the day. Now I want to put the caboose on it. Because what you find in the Old Testament, you will find somewhere in the New. In the book of Luke chapter 4, do you know that Jesus spoke about this woman? He specifically highlighted the fact that God sent Elijah to a woman for help in a crucial time in his ministry. Listen to what he says. He says, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet... Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. That blows my mind. Do you know where Jesus was when he said this? He's in his own hometown in Nazareth where he can't even get him to believe that he is who he said he is. Do you know the Bible says this? Jesus could not do any great miracle in his own hometown because they wouldn't believe him. It didn't say he would not. It said he could not. There was no faith. Because all they saw was little Jesus. All they saw was Joseph's boy. All they saw was the carpenter, not the healer. All they saw was man, not God. He's preaching this, and he had to have upset the Jews when he said this. In other words, the ones who should have believed him didn't believe him. Now, I don't think that this woman would be the first woman many people would think of when they consider a woman of great faith. 
as a widow living in a time of famine, you can already see she's no doubt she's discouraged. She's forlorn. I can look around today and there's a lot of Christians discouraged and forlorn. Don't put your faith in this world. Don't put your faith in the things of this world. Don't put all your eggs in the basket for your candidate. Because here's what I'm finding is when your candidate doesn't win, discouragement sets in, and you think, man, there's nothing left. It's not over till it's over. When the saints of God put wheels to their faith, things happen. I'm not talking about, Lord, if it be your will, Lord, if you could, would you? I'm talking about the little lady in South Carolina type of prayers. Lord, your name's at stake here. We need this thing moved, and then we need it done now because we're fixing to have a crusade. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This woman's clothes are probably tattered. Her shoes, if she had any, probably had holes. I don't know what she used to make bread. Maybe a bowl that was chipped or broken or over coals that barely had anything left to give. She's out there getting sticks. But whatever she used, it wouldn't have made it into any department store for sale or a fine restaurant used for cooking. But when it was coupled with faith, what seemed like not enough became the very avenue for too much. It's just more than enough. So let me close and say this. Oftentimes, faith involves looking beyond what you can see or the limitations that you face. Maybe you don't have enough time in the day to do all you need to do. Maybe you really don't have any resources to carry out all that needs to be done. It could be that you're struggling to raise your kids all alone while your husband's busy working or traveling. Or the children's father has long been out of the picture altogether. Maybe some of you watching or listening online, your bank account is low and you're doing all you can to find a job. And God's asking you to still honor Him with that tenth portion of your money. Or it could be that you've received a report from your doctor that is not good. Or maybe God has made it clear to you that He wants you to stay home full time with your children. But your family can't make it on only one income. Or maybe God told you to give away that bonus check you got this year to a nearby family in need. Whatever the case, faith acts on the truth that even though you don't have enough, God has more than enough. And He has promised to supply all your needs. Ladies, do you see what a woman of the kingdom is? Men, do you see what a man of the kingdom is? I'll tell you what America needs is more men and women of the kingdom. More men and women who say, God is my God, to live like God is their God. To talk like God is their God. To act like God is their God. Amen? Because if God is our God, then nobody can mess with us. Amen? 
We're not going to leave this planet any day earlier than God intends us to. I just want you to understand that the devil, he just wants us running in circles, or he wants you running in fear, or he wants you running in, in doubt. Isn't that what he did with Eve? Hath God really said that? Did God really say that you could eat of this tree and live forever? He just knows if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like him. And right now, the devil's throwing all kinds of lies out to people. Not only in our nation, but all over the world. God is the answer to what ails this world. And we're fixing to go into the season that we celebrate God coming down in the flesh. And he did so in order to get us out of this mess. Amen? So ladies and men, I want you to just say this. I'm going to stand strong in faith. Regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear, regardless of how ridiculous it may seem that God can fix this, I'm going to stand out in faith. Amen? If that's you, would you just say a big amen? Amen. So, as we close today, I want you to just go forth in that anointing and in that power and in this message and declare who God says you are. Amen? And I want to just say this. Somebody may say, you know, Pastor, I just don't have any faith. Well, the Bible says you do. Here's, I'm going to leave this with you. The Bible says that God has given to every man, every woman, every person a measure of faith. And it's like a muscle. If you'll just use it, it'll grow. If you use it and you build it, it'll grow. We've got a lot of opportunity to let it grow. Amen. So go out, change the world, starting with your own in faith. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. God bless you.